I'm Adam Strauss. And I'm Jordan Iper, MD. And this is not therapy. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much therapy. It's not therapy, man. Now, the moment is now. We have hit record. We are in the slipstream. Yeah. So, um, well, I... I want to hear what's going on with you, Jordan, because frankly, I think there's probably, you know, the, the focus of the podcast initially was largely on me and my relationship with Clara, but now I am without that relationship and living with my parents and which is probably, you know, for a sort of Neo Freudian like yourself, I don't know if you'd identify yourself as a Neo Freudian, but that, (laughs) that might actually be more more ripe with dramatic um, and uh, revealing psychological possibilities than being in a new romantic relationship. But I I think for most people, the latter, a new romantic relationship is probably a little more exciting. And that, that is where you're at. And I know things have been going pretty quickly at least by your standards were typically, I remember you once in an earlier podcast, like seeing someone once a month was kind of like the speed you like a relationship to proceed. But this has been, I think by virtue to some extent of pandemic circumstances, but also maybe more so the fact that you really dig this woman, it's been a lot's been happening. And I know you, um, you just returned from a, uh, a vacation with her. So yeah, let's, let's get caught up. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for uh, setting me up like that. Yeah, I realized that the wheels were going to come off of this podcast project if one of us one of us was not <laughs> in a relational crisis. <laughs> if one of us, if one of us was not wrestling with the dragon of relationship at any given moment, so I took it upon myself pretty soon it was it was a pretty tight transition from your relationship with clara <laughs> it was to my relationship with let's give her a podcast name yeah. and call her hannah hannah i like hannah. that yeah so i you know i picked up the torch and i yeah. <laughs> i knew i knew Grabbed i had the baton to be done. and sprinted to the, the finish line of <laughs> what is the finish line here i guess that's what we're going to be exploring that's a great question yeah you know what is the goal I, what I are we looking for well, as we've talked about on the show before, I think it's Dan Savage who talks about who's a you know a very popular relationship public public figure relationship commentator who talks about how uh, Americans Westerners I think particularly Americans tend to assess the quality of a relationship in terms of do you reach the finish line of dying together one of you dying <laughs> right. before the other that right. is. <laughs> So that if is it ends before time. one or both of you expire, then you <laughs> it's failed. A, it's an utter. It's failure. been a waste. Is <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we obviously take a different view, uh, um, and I think most people probably do. In that, yeah, I mean, certainly my relationship with Clara, um, so far as I know, she's still alive, and it's yeah, I've I've had no contact with her. I have not checked her social media or anything, but I certainly don't view it as a failure in the sense of there was just so much growth and learning there. And I I know that's part of what your experience has been with Hannah, but yeah, yeah, I want to hear more. Which brings me to a point that I I think I'll probably want to circle back to later, 
that's been on my mind is, you know, this idea that we come into relationship to grow together and a relationship you and I talk about how a relationship doesn't need to be seen as a success or a failure exclusively through this lens of did, did you go the distance? Did you have kids, did someone die while the relationship was still intact? But then I get afraid of, of like instrumentalizing a relationship I don't want to be in a relationship. You ta- in a recent conversation, you referred to your relationship with Clara as a gymnasium. Yeah, and I thought that was really beautiful, and that resonates with me so much. And 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 I also carry a fear of like, well, I don't want this is a person. This is you know, this is where the rubber starts to meet the road as a relationship deepens. Is it's like, but this is a person with their own hopes and dreams and tender heart, uh, not a pommel horse right for me to be practicing uh <laughs> practicing relationship with yeah so with that said but I, I also think ahead. though if you do view it that way you're not you're not really in the gymnasium that's kind of another out right it, to be like well this is this is just sort of for practice and i know because i i've looked at it that that way and i will say this also is Yes, ultimately, you you have to appreciate and respect that there's another human here, and that's why it's so important to have transparency and honesty. But also, there is something to be said in my own experience of, if I have to give myself, I'm sort of contradicting what I just said 30 seconds ago, but if I have to give myself little little fixes, little, um, little ways of making myself feel a little more comfortable, I'm okay with that. And at times, it was a way of making me feel more comfortable continuing saying, well, I don't know where this is going, but if nothing else, I'm, I'm learning a tremendous amount. Yeah, absolutely. Those little um, self-deceptions, <laughs> to, to put an ungenerous term, are so important in relationship. And if you really think about it in life as well, because if you read like, if you read Camus, some like depressing existential philosophy. How do you pronounce Camus? <laughs> <laughs> you eventually, you know, you can. Stranger. You know. can wind up in this place of like, well, shit, why don't I just kill myself right now? Yeah. So, can, well, I who think, was it who said that's the only, the only true philosophical question is essentially why, why should I, why should I keep living? Yeah. Sounds and like I think Camus. there's something to be said for that because there's so much, if you, if you, if you look, if you look, there's a lot of reasons to argue against that. But I mean, I think the reason to argue against life, but the reason to argue for it is just this experience, the ineffable joy and wonder and terror of, of experience that presumably ends or, or transforms when this, uh, when this existence that we're living right now is over. Yeah. Whoa, deep. <laughs> Super deep. Well, yeah, but I'm, I've been thinking deep. About but I also wanted to say something else you brought up in a past podcast in terms of you said something to me, a much earlier episode, where a friend of yours had said this to you, where you know a relationship is over when you're not learning anything anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a thing that gave me a lot of reassurance at times with Clara, with all these times and our, our listeners to their fortune or misfortune heard a lot of the, 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 uh, the real the intricacies and contours of my doubts. But often what I'd come back to the doubt of, well, should I be in this relationship was I would come back to that 
that phrase that you had said, and it was very clear that, well, I, I do still have things to learn from Clara, and I'd say mm -hmm. towards the end, it became less clear to me. It felt mm -hmm. like we'd sort of reached a point where things weren't shifting or growing, and um, so, so yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. that that I found that very helpful, that, that sort of lens through which to view a relationship and evaluate it, really. Am, am I learning? Am I growing? Yeah. Well, hat tip to my friend Kalen Flynn, MD, for that one. Got it. Yeah, that was a great just, learning. Jordan only hangs out with other MDs. Occasionally, <laughs> you'll catch him slumming with a PhD. <laughs> not, not true. In fact, none of my personal therapists have uh, had doctoral level degrees. I am. I, I will go on the record firmly as as saying I, I have no tolerance. I've had patients at times who I'm recommending therapy for and they'll s say something to the effect of like well i would need to see an md or a phd for therapy i just I, they think they're uh, of a certain whatever level of right. uh, <laughs> attainment that they need a that they need someone with doctor in front of their name and i am uh, is one of my favorite things to try to chop people down uh from disabuse them of that notion I've yeah, the, never been a receptacle of therapy from a from a doctor, and it's uh, arguably a arguably a bad idea. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's been my experience. Was you know, I'd see you were you were you haven't been on medication, but for me, you know, the 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 MDs I saw were the psychopharmacologists who were essentially technicians, and even that I think gives them more credit than due because it's so much speculation of which one right. of these SSRIs that none of which are really that effective might be more effective or, or might not might mess up your dick a little bit less than the other ones. It's <laughs> <laughs> really what it comes down to. But, uh, yeah. but, but yeah, whereas I found PhDs and, and social workers and, and MAs, uh, were therapists who were very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Firmly agree. Uh, psychiatrists pretending like they are precise technicians is one of the more dangerous things that exists, I think. Yeah. And this, we could go down this whole rabbit hole. We've touched yeah. on it before, we'll but this whole idea of psychiatry trying to make itself like other medical specialties, which I think has really hurt the field. Um, but, but was very good for, for business for a while when antidepressants were hailed as these, you know, saviors and, yeah. But yeah, I, w I want to. I want to. Uh, I want to keep the focus on yeah, yeah what's happening with not, you right now. Let's not shy away from the yeah. darkness. So, okay, so yeah, so let me just kind of lay out what happened in the last seven days of my life, and maybe even a little bit of context. I mean, I think we, we've talked yeah. a little bit about Hannah. I'm but in not a relationship. A, yeah, I'm in a relationship. I. As I said, I picked up the torch when you put it down and I started running headlong into the hailstorm that is uh, romantic partnership. And it, certainly, co it, it still being COVID, um, there's, there are certain differences in the setup of a young, growing relationship right now, many of which we've talked about in the, in the context of you and Clara. Like, we spent a lot more time with each other and less time. I mean, I've told this woman, I love her. I've never sat in a restaurant with her. Um, I've yeah. actually just recently, like yesterday 
we hung out with other people for the first time. So it's yeah, you know, yeah. it's a it's a right, bizarre a f- and it's a bizarre and intense way to be starting a, a relationship. But right, we're just the two of you. You have your own universe yeah, together, yeah. which is beautiful in some ways, and, and it's and sort of the been nice in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I obviously relate to this a great deal. So this past weekend, we went away uh, to a, a mountainous region of California. And prior to this, I had been hanging out with a friend of mine who is someone who I think has a lot of wisdom. Um, I respect his opinions very much. And um, he's, he's someone who um, I, I will say doesn't always hold back with sharing his opinions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, on <laughs> as regards you know advice giving etc to other people even so that, if it's not exactly solicited yeah so back yeah. so so i he tells you what he thinks he tells you what he thinks um i am in a cabin in a mountainous region of california one important uh, with my girlfriend uh one important piece of context there is a very large storm on the way headed toward our location. Uh, you know, threatening to dump three to seven feet or something of snow on us and, and pin us, pin us down in this small cabin. Uh, can I option the rights for this for a screenplay? <laughs> this would be like our version of a horror movie. There's no murderers. There's no, there's no one's, no one's lurking in the corner with an ax, yeah, but yeah, but <laughs> But it gets isolation and intimacy, but it gets, yeah. But in my mind, yeah. In the context of Adam Strauss and Jordan Iber, it gets horror movie in my head. <laughs> like, yeah. So I'm trying to like set this really foreboding scene. So we're having a nice time out, out of the blue. I get a voice memo from my friend who. And has, how long had you been in the mountainous region? I like that phrase. This was night two. Night two night in the mountainous two. region. An isolated cabin in mountainous region. And thus region. far it had been very enjoyable. and Yeah, totally chill. Nice. Yep. Good times. Um, or if you're, asking a, if, if you're asking a different part of my mind who we're about to meet, um, <laughs> it's been terrible and I've been suppressing that knowledge. Okay. Uh, deeply. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it had been nice. It had been a nice time. I get this voice memo from from this friend. And he's decided this is the time and the uh, the method of communication to convey to me that he thinks that I'm not going to marry this woman. Because having nothing to do with her from everything I've... He's never met her from everything I've yeah. told him about her. She sounds amazing and fantastic. But he thinks that... You know, he's known me for a while and he thinks that I'm going to need more time before I have figured my shit out, know exactly what I want, I'm ready to settle down, etc. I listen to this. I get this voice memo and at first I'm just like, oh, whatever. And then it becomes clear to, to me and everyone else around 
that I am not going to be able to contain and metabolize this information and carry on. Everyone else around being Hannah. <laughs> meaning, meaning Hannah. Hannah knows meaning, something just happened. You just meaning got me, Hannah, and, a, and an extreme low pressure weather system. <laughs> so it's, you know, it leaks out, it leaks out, and then it pours out. And it sends us into uh, what I would describe as, I don't want to say death spiral, because we didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> let's try to let's try to avoid death spiral as a as a term of referring to relationships i mean but, but it, it I, I, sure yeah. felt like it it felt right. like a death spiral what because felt it felt yeah in it the moment more. it felt like so this is obviously a fear this obviously when someone uh when you receive a disturbing piece of information from someone or an insult or something not that not that this was necessarily any of those things this was only this was said kind of from a friend to a friend just in terms of like hey man i love you like i think you're gonna need more time whatever but I, it landed well, i kind of want to go into this it, it, I, yeah it wasn't I mean, cool to me, it wasn't cool it, exactly it, it seems it seems massively uncool i don't yeah. i i don't know this person i don't know what their motivations were but I, it I, I guess i'm having trouble seeing how it was intended to be loving or helpful to you even if this person genuinely be genuinely believed this let's give them the benefit of the doubt yeah uh, how, why share this with you when they know you're with this person yeah and i yeah i appreciate it seems like it seems fucked up and it seems without knowing this person it seems like it's some their own shit uh acting up and and yeah, yeah. i appreciate you pointing that out i don't want to spend too much time talking about that aspect of it because i still yeah. have not processed this okay. in depth with, with that person um but yes. it was it was uncool what's interesting is that it took me time and it took me um support from other people very much including hannah to like come to terms with the with the uncoolness of it with the fact that i was angry because at first because mm. i think because this hit me in such a vulnerable place that it felt like revealed truth in that in the moment, almost like it, psychedelic revelation. It, I mean, this Not whole to thing bring felt everything like down a, to psychedelic back to psychedelics, but that experience where it's like, oh shit, yeah, oh yeah, it of was course. like this is fuck, the thing. He I've been. knows me. He knows like he sees the truth that I am hiding from what am I doing? Yeah. So this is the spiral that I get sent into. It's like, fuck, he's right. He, like he's just revealing, he's holding up the mirror to me and showing me what I already know. This is not the one I'm leading her on. I, and that, you know, where I go with that. Yeah. I go immediately to a place of guilt of like, I'm, I'm using this person. I shouldn't be with them. I know this is, I know I'm not ready. I know I'm not ready to settle down. I should leave right now. This is over. Um, yeah. Let's pause there for a second. That's the basic parameters of the death spiral. Yeah. And for newer listeners in past episodes, you've talked somewhat about this. It seems like a pretty fundamental fear that's held you back in relationships, which is the fear of of hurting the other person. Yeah, 
and often specifically the fear of hurting them because you're not into them enough and you're you 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 know it you you know you're it's going to end at some point yeah yeah and as i'm saying that i'm like uh, am i projecting that a little bit because that certainly has been a big fear of mine no i think that i think but i I think that's exactly how i've how i've described it yeah Yeah. i remember you i remember one episode where you said you had a great line you said something like the fear of hurting woman could be the title of your autobiography because it's just been such a defining thing that you trace back to your uh let's let's you know i'll put on your neo-freudian uh lab coat or tweed jacket with uh with with suede patches of you know uh, you've certainly tied that fear to the first woman your your mother all goes back to number one baby yeah yeah, the fear of hurting women. The title of my forthcoming memoir is, um, yeah, it's central in my. I've never. It's been so hard for me to find a way out of this guilt, and as we've talked about previously, one way that I have danced with this in the past has been the vacation relationship phenomenon. Only kind of giving my heart to someone if there's a built-in endpoint because whatever she's moving to madrid in four months or she's polyamorous and has a and is married and to yeah. somebody and i'm just uh you know so i i don't have to worry too much about meeting her primary needs so but yeah you know now we're now we're kind of playing more for keeps the uh the older and braver that i get i suppose and that that but that remains my number one pain point in relationships. Some people are afraid, you know, the the basic breakdown of anxious avoidance is a very classic way to look at people's experiences in relationships. Some people are afraid of being left. Other people are afraid of uh, being smothered and needing to leave. Yeah, it would be maybe a simple way to put that. Also completely unsurprisingly those people find each other (laughs) right right (laughs) those people lined up together and i would say not even with my own experience not even so much being smothered because that hasn't been an experience i've i've had much of i've generally been with women who have been very independent but still feeling for me it's been more the fear that i'm going to have to leave because ultimately they're not enough they're not going to meet all of my needs yeah definitely i would i would agree i think the fear of being smothered is isn't so much the thing for me it's the fear of uh, yeah we i mean we we share this so much the fear of finding of being unable to get past a a feeling that this person isn't the perfect ultimate compatible fit for you and therefore you need to leave and therefore you're going to hurt them right right you need to leave not just because well in a sense you're you're wasting your time uh, notwithstanding whatever you know reps you're getting in at this gymnasium, but also you need to leave because you you know this isn't you know this how this is going to end, but they don't. So you need to you owe it to them to to end this thing before yeah. they before they open their heart more. Right. But I've also it's occurred to me more recently myself with this pattern that it could be a form of projection too, where the fear of being hurt 
of being left. Maybe it's actually there deep down, but it's that fear is more threatening. So it's less threatening for me to instead say, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to leave you mm-hmm. rather than to confront the possible the possibility of that deeper fear. I don't know if that resonates at all for you, and I don't even know if it resonates for me, but it, 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 has, it has crossed my mind that in some of my relationships that might have been operating. Yeah, it's definitely crossed my mind. I think it doesn't land with deep truth for me. I well, wait don't until, wait until you get my voice memo next time you're in a romantic yeah. <laughs> weekend in a mountainous region or maybe a lake region. You don't know. You don't know what region you're going to be in. <laughs> I'm going to get start start getting spammed. Maybe you'll be camping yeah. by a stream. <laughs> hopefully, there's a, hopefully we don't have any like crazy troll fans yet who are going to start. Like, I'll take you know what I'll take any sort of fans we have. If I'll anyone wants it. to troll us, please go ahead. <laughs> Just like for the rest of my. <laughs> For the rest of my illustrious podcasting career, it's like, oh, every day, three voice memos. You know you're a piece of shit. You know she's not the one. You're just going to hurt her. Why don't you leave? Or the opposite. Or maybe a benevolent troll who wants to send me a voice memo every day just being like, you're doing great, man. Like, who knows what's going to happen, but you're having fun. You're in love. Enjoy it. Well, here's a radical idea. Why don't you, uh, I mean... Leave yourself those voice memos, not on your actual phone. That'd be fucking weird. But in your head, <laughs> I, I've so, been doing that. One thing I've noticed with myself, a, a really a big shift that I often take for granted is just how much more gentle and positive and affirming my self-talk generally is now mm. when stuff doesn't go the way I want. Instead of being like, you fucking idiot, you fucked it up. It's like, yeah you know what, you you did the best you could. And honestly, this feels like a big mistake now, or this feels like this is a big loss now, but you just don't even know. Yeah. You don't even know. In a week, a month, a year, this probably won't matter. Yeah. Totally. But really, I, I do mean that in terms of, because yeah. everything you just said in that, in that imagine positive troll voice memo is stuff I would say to you. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's stuff that rings true to me for, for you as, as I know you. Yeah. What... Meanwhile, Jordan in his head, he's like, God, but how am I going to tell Adam that I need to find an, he's, he's just not my ideal podcast host. He's going to be, Adam's going to be so be devastated, devastated when, he, when he goes to iTunes. And well, the thing, I could just be, you know, I could just be polyamorous and start three other podcasts. Well, we have to have a discussion about this first, clearly. <laughs> I can just start, I can just have four podcasts going. It's, I don't have to be podcast. As long as I'm the primary, as long as not therapy is your primary podcast. You'll always be number one my heart so yeah i want to i want to stay with this self-talk thing because that was really that was important for me that night and it's been more important since then what watching that process because the initial self-talk was oh god this person who left me this voice memo of course he knows the true me this is this is the way i've always been this is the way i am yeah and i just i really want to underline how terrible of a night i had <laughs> yeah i think death spiral makes it pretty clear <laughs> but no really? i want i want to hear i want to hear real specific yeah let's get specific whatever you feel i to don't share. I, mean, I can imagine you are you are you are locked yeah. in with this woman i'm locked in a cabin with this woman um yeah with this relationship crisis unfolding <clears throat> And a decision that needs to be made, which is, are, should we leave early tomorrow, try to get out of here before 
snowmageddon comes or oh so the snow hadn't started the snow hadn't started yet or do we risk or do we like which you know which kind of in i love it in my mind dramatic stakes so dramatic in my mind at that moment that felt like throwing in the towel like that i felt like if if i say i think we should leave early to get out of in front of this storm like she's gonna know it's over she's gonna know that i'm quitting that i can't stand the idea of being locked uh that i yeah that i don't want to be here in this cabin with her you know turns out uh, hannah was like yeah no i think that's a good idea let's get let's like go get some space and because she's a you know capable of rational thought um well yeah i want to talk more about uh, you know her and her her reaction to all this but yeah can continue yeah, in yeah. whatever vein you feel but so yeah just back to the horrendous terrible feelings that i had that night just um what did it feel? rarely do i have sleep problems i'm not like even if you know i'm i'm certainly no stranger to to the highs and lows in life, but I pretty much always am able to fall asleep in a, and, and, and sleep through a night. Sometimes I wake up if I'm in a place of stress, I'll sometimes wake up really early. I never have, I don't tend to have trouble falling asleep. I did. I barely slept that night. I probably slept two hours. Um, and I was just lying there. Yeah. With this like climatologic, uh, and (laughs) relational, convergence just it was unbelievable the word that came to me like i was just looking back at my journal from when i got back to my place after this and like collected myself and started writing i was shocked at how bad i felt it was shocking it was one of the worst nights of my life i would liken it to a terrible like the closest reference point I have, I feel like in recent memory is, uh, you know, a, a terrible, terrible ayahuasca experience and not, and not terrible in that it was like not a terrible ayahuasca experience. in in like the one you shared recently where you like show up at a show up at like a warehouse in Greenpoint no. and like Sh- Shaman Dave is putting on the playlist and you're like, no, no, like I everyone's freaking out. I don't, not, not, that was fine. That was, uh, no, no, I've, I've, I've had solid shop, but yes, I, I've, I've been in some, some mildly gnarly uh, scenarios there, but yeah. It can be terrible mean- in that it's going off the rails, but I'm talking about like, you know, a ceremony in Peru where I was fully supported and everything was okay, but I was having an inner experience of deep, deep, deep anguish and that's what this night felt like yeah it was unbelievable the dark depths and holes and spirals i went to the wretchedness just yeah i'm fucking this relationship up this wonderful woman comes into your life and four and a half months in you're already you're already fucking destroying it and you're never gonna like yeah you know just this feeling that you are toxic that that i have this dark there's something wounded, deeply wrong bilious toxicity broken. deeply wrong and broken um sorry i talked over you there but you said the word bilious which i really appreciated <laughs> and then i think the reason i'm jumping in here is just is not because you need my help describing the experience but because i fucking relate to this yeah. i relate to it in literally in the same ayahuasca retreat center you were in in peru in niwe rao where i had one one night where i was 
certain I was dying. And sometimes I still think I actually did die. And this is just some hologram reality. Uh, <laughs> another save that for another episode. But uh, <laughs> but also with the relationship thing specifically, not not with Clara, but with. Um, with Grace, the woman I talk about in the Mushroom Cure, where it was like, oh God, this is just, it's over. And I, I yeah, I, I, I relate specifically to several yeah. times with her where just feeling like it's not just the relationship, it's I'm just fundamentally and irrevocably fucked forever. Yeah. And I, I, as, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about my work in the, in the psychiatric emergency room. Where I've been, which has been been my primary point of um, clinical contact with people uh, for the last six months. That's what I've been up to. And some of the people I've seen who felt, who were probably the scariest in terms of uh, the level of collapse and closeness to suicide that I have seen have been middle-aged or older white men who have never really had any mental health treatment or contacts in the past, whose relationships are crumbling. Hmm. Wow. And I think there's a thing not to, you know, not to equate myself to, to those folks, because I've certainly had my share of, uh, navel gazing and mental health support in my young life, but there's something to the, there's something to this, yeah, this feeling of a relationship's collapse and then the ripples of distress coming out of that, showing you how everything in your life is poisoned and you're alone and unable to maintain healthy relationships. And it just, it like, wow, I was shocked. I was shocked at how, at how terrible I felt. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I've never heard you talk about an experience this way before. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> yeah, it sounds sucked. like it. <laughs> Super sick. <laughs> so, and yeah. So throughout this, this night, this the this, what I was thinking. Yeah, what I what was what got me thinking about the depths of that night. Where we were talking about self talk. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I've got the tools, I've got the resources, I do this for a living. So I know how to talk to myself in a moment like this. And, you know, I've been in the, the deep, dark psychedelic trenches, etc. And you've given me good advice uh, in this department. And I've uh, given, yes, yeah, so I knew how I would talk to somebody else. I knew how to talk to myself. It was amazing how much it felt like uh, trying to take down a charging elephant with a BB gun. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that it's so it's so funny because you got to do it, like you just have to do it and keep doing it and talking to yourself with compassion. It's like I know there's no other way. Like I have to talk to myself with compassion. I have. You're not going to gonna beat yourself up straight, <laughs> You're right? Not going to yeah. beat yourself into shape by beating the shit out of yourself. But it's it was such a good reminder of like in the moment it is not going to feel like it's doing anything. It is going to feel like all of the nice, supportive, optimistic things you are saying to yourself are utter bullshit. And that every dark, pessimistic, hopeless thought you are having is uh, total crystallized truth. 
Um, and, and yeah, and yet you got to keep saying nice things to yourself because eventually it starts to work. It just doesn't, it's, it, it didn't feel like it at the time. Yeah. Um, and, and again, what, it wasn't what, like, oh, go ahead. Well, this is, maybe you'll get to this, but so I'm, I'm curious, more than curious, what was, where is Hannah in all this? I mean, she's trying to support you, uh, perhaps, but yeah. she's also, obviously, this is potentially fairly devastating for her, too. Yeah, yeah. I want to, you know, resp- I don't think I want to share too much about what was unfolding between us. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's not to say, of course, she had a role in what was going on. Of course, she is a real person that I'm in a relationship with about whom I do have doubts at at times. And I'm certainly not saying like, um, I was an idiot for thinking that it's not going to work out. Of course it's going to work out because I have no idea. Again, it's a, it's a new relationship. Um, but it's that agonizing thing of trying to of, of 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 experiencing these excruciating doubts while the person you're having doubts about is, is there. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's, and she that's, throughout throughout our relationship, one of the things that has impressed me and sort of set her apart in some ways from past relationships I've been in is that she has a remarkable capacity to absorb. Uh, hold space for my ambivalence and not freak out and not tell me I'm bad and not think that I'm judging her and not feel, yeah. I don't have to feel alone with my doubt, with all of my doubts with her, which is, has been really huge for me because that's something that's always felt so challenging in relationship me you're getting to know someone you're sharing you're open and then you know often it's for me correlated with the time that you start to sleep together it all of a sudden the stakes go up a little bit people could start to feel hurt and rejected and it has often felt to me like all of a sudden this you start to keep secrets from each other and those secrets for me have always been the ambivalence that I'm not so sure about this. And that has always felt like a really bad, nasty secret for me to hold. I've always felt like I'm ju- too judgmental. I'm too, you know, what we've talked about so many times on the, on the podcast, like, Oh, why am I such a perfectionist? Why am I so judgmental? Why can't I accept this person? That's always felt like this really toxic thing that I need to keep to myself. And when you're in connection with some someone and holding in this little toxic seed inside yourself, that's really hard. That You feel really lonely. So that's been an amazing thing about her is that she she's often able to support to support me and not needing to feel like that's this little toxic burden that I have to carry in myself. And she's often shares with me that she's able to recognize that that's my stuff. That's not, that's my, that's my stuff. That's, that's, you know, 
my stuff to work with and she's it it doesn't necessarily affect her that much but then obviously sometimes it does and in this moment it did especially coming as it did uh, as though it were a spell cast from the outside on us on what do you mean by that just the 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 way that the the way that the evening unfolded where this little fuse was lit in me by this message that I'd received from a friend. Mm -hmm. That was really, that was really hard for us both to deal with. Um, Um, but what, what the the fact that it came in that, that this was catalyzed by that made it feel like, because it gave it, made it feel like more real than just Jordan having his, his doubts that he'd shared with Hannah previously. Yeah, I don't know exactly what it was. It was. Did it feel like the universe was kind of arrayed a against you with this this voice memo, and now the snowstorm coming and forcing this decision? Yeah, it had a feeling of it not being in our control. Yeah, uh, of the situation not being in our control. That made it a lot more difficult to manage that night. That you couldn't just kind of sit with it and process it, and yeah. that that you have yeah. to make this decision because of the weather. Yeah, yeah. So for whatever reason, it was just a really bad night. Yeah. Um. And yeah, since then I've been, you know, I've just been processing this and kind of recollecting myself, and it's been filled with some really deep learning it feels it's again it feels like a really painful psychedelic experience that shakes you up and you wouldn't want to do it again but ultimately you're grateful for it yeah that night in particular that night in particular yeah so you know she and i have processed it a lot and um we're we've found our way back to each other uh, wait, wait, is, I feel like I'm missing. A, I, I feel like I, I yeah, we yeah, just yeah. jumped to the end of the, so you have this horrific night. Yeah. You wake up the next morning or you don't wake up the next morning. You wake up at three in the morning and you're up, whatever the, we wake up the next morning. Um, I, part of me just wanted to like pack up and leave and go like, yeah, be alone and like whimper in a cave by myself but uh rightly so she's she supported me in like getting some movement and time in nature by myself which was very helpful for me yeah and then we did we did decide to leave movement um dancing or yoga or skiing skiing okay so yeah so you got some i'm selling an asshole She's like, go, go, go skiing. Have some beers with your friends. Would it? <laughs> yeah, no, no beers with friends. No, but that, not that a lot is, of skiing because I mean, I'd slept yeah. like two hours. Um, but I but went, allowing you to have that sort of uh, these experiences that can that can shift things or give a little space that can shift things. Yeah, go go be in the mountains. Um, yeah, mountains are a huge support for me. Yeah, just I've always I've always felt comforted around big mountains, and it was good. It was really good to just go kind of definitely Freudian. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> the large breasts of <laughs> yeah. the nursing. Yeah. I went and nursed at the, at the jagged breasts the of, of the Sierra. <laughs> and, um, 
asked the mountains for to, to try to support me in this to hold some of this these did you you did, did some prayer yeah did some yeah. prayer yeah Beautiful. did some prayer um yeah just kind of asking the mountains to hold some of this burden for me wow. and wouldn't feel all alone with it and that that was helpful moving my body was helpful and then we did decide to come back uh, just because it, it, it became apparent that we were going to get pinned down by this storm, and including probably past the time when our rental on this place was going to end. And so that was going to be sort of a mess. And I, we both recognized that this space had been, the space of this cabin had housed such an intense and difficult experience that it was going to be hard to stay there. Wow. It was going to be, and yeah, and it was just, we were having, we were having stuff come up and it was a small cabin with a huge snowstorm coming. So we decided to take off and that was good. And we, you know, we drove back, we remained pretty raw and tender. Sure. We took some space that night, which was really, helpful uh, for me I think it was I think her instinct was probably to stay connected and you know my instinct was that I, I needed some space and she supported me in that which I'm really grateful for uh, that she was to able stay to. connected meaning even though you were going to leave this mountain cabin to to, to, to stay, stay together. together at her yeah. place or your her place, place. My place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm really grateful that she was able to support me and even though it was probably not her first choice she was able to totally support me and having alone time that night and i talked to some friends i think i talked to one friend that night that was really helpful that's but that's one thing i have taken away from this experience is an appreciation for how much other people very much including you what an incredible salve it is to be able to get support from from friends people you care about in 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 these difficult times how it's not how friendship is not uh something to do kind of after you finish all your work and Mm -hmm. and sort of as an afterthought how connection and support from people you love is such a central aspect of life and health and thriving it's really something i've been sitting with this week yeah. No, I would have called you that night, except I didn't want to give away all the good. <laughs> you were on East Coast time. You're on East Coast time, and you know we gotta say we gotta save it for the pod. I'm not insulted. It's fine. You know what? I, I might I might start a few of my own podcasts too. Well, we can we can both start seeing other other co-hosts. That's fine. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> uh, so you, had, you <laughs> but no. So in all seriousness, so you had this night apart. We had this night apart. So I got some support from a friend. And I wrote a lot. I did a lot of journaling. And back to that, to the self-talk. I did a form of journaling that will often kind of start off as me just sort of writing my thoughts down. And then it'll tend to shift into a conversation with myself. And it'll often take a very concrete form of me writing a letter to a wounded part of myself. Hmm. And I have pretty, I, I, 
I did this and it, it took on this shape and it over the process of this journaling, I got in contact with a, a, a fairly precise character that I was talking to. And by, by a fairly precise character, I mean, you know, what, what I would call in like the parlance of a kind of therapy called internal family systems, which we have talked about a part, mm-hmm. a part of myself, I would call it sort of like a wounded inner child in my mind. It's a, I think the, you know, this character is, um, you know, around like a 12 or 13 year old me or something mm-hmm. like that. And even uh, there's even uh, like an energetic spatial representation of this character. He tends to show up as uh, living around like kind of my right side, like my right ribs, sort of like where my liver is. Actually, that's you know he's. There's a visceral sense there. There's a visceral sense, and and like in 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 breath work or in psychedelic experiences, I've you know this is obviously in in the visionary state. This has showed up more clearly, like that. Like this is where this not. Don't worry, California Medical Board. I don't actually think that a, a pre-adolescent child lives under my rib cage, but uh, <laughs> that's that, that's kind of where this shows up for me. And I talked to this. I talked to this little wounded me. For and a how while. does I, I I have I have a few questions. So how so this is a sort of a visceral, a constellation of like visceral sensations that can that can be there. And is and is this association with this part of yourself was this this first emerge during a psychedelic experience? Probably, I can't remember where it first yeah. emerged. But I'm curious because I have not had this sort of experience of, and I've I haven't really done any work or really play or exploration around different parts of myself. Mm. It's something you you've given me some encouragement to explore that, and I have done a little bit, but. Uh, but when you start talking about specific sort of a, 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 a physical locale, that it sounds very concrete. It's somewhat concrete. It's yeah, it's concrete enough to make it sound really weird to a lot of people. Um, to, to me, it doesn't sound. It sounds. Uh, I think part of why I, I have so many questions is this is something that it's exciting to me. This is like the possibility of relating to parts of ourselves in such a specific yeah. and concrete way. Yeah, and I have I, I have encouraged you along that avenue before. I don't know if it it sounds like you've probably not ever seen a therapist who does much like internal family system. No, parts, I'd never heard the phrase before you. Yeah, and I've not I've not formally done the therapy. I've not been trained in it, um, nor have I received it in a in a formalized way. Although it is psychedelic therapies particularly the you know the manual that i'm trained in as a maps therapist an mdma therapist um very explicitly borrows from internal family systems and that is because this stuff shows up in the psychedelic experience it just really does even if you don't prime people for it people often tend to do this especially mdma it the psyche seems to gravitate when it's in this 
place of, you know, marked by feelings of safety and well-being and heightened awareness and all these other things that can go along with a with the psychedelic expansive state the psyche seems to figure out often even on its own that this is a good way to heal is to sort of talk to constituent parts of the self as though they are different characters Mm -hmm. and the idea that I I think the core idea in internal family systems is that there is one sort of overarching like governor or in my experience, it showed up as like a, the idea of like the King archetype. Uh, So there's sort of one self that kind of watches over the whole, the whole scene, the whole realm. And then the, and then the psyche is made up of all these different other parts, you know, many of which are, flawed and wounded and um in a psychedelic experience to me in the past it showed up literally as though i as this this sort of from a place of being identified with the the king archetype or the self i was sort of seated at the head of a banquet table and all these different parts of me were sort of laid out around it and from that place, you like can... Like dishes on on the banquet table or, like or people seated around the table? <laughs> people seated around the table, you guests. Were, you were guests. Yeah. It wasn't some sort yeah. of can- auto-cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> no. Guests. Yeah, very importantly guests and very importantly honored guests. Because mm-hmm. that is how you deal with these wounded parts of self is you invite them to the table you act as a gracious host you hear their concerns you respond to their concerns but you don't let them be the king you don't let them run the show you don't let them run the shows and that is so one way that i have reflected on this experience that i had last week is that for a you know for a moment a, a series of moments a very wounded part of me kind of childlike part of me was activated and like jumped into the front of the school bus and started driving and i what i would like to think of as i this um when i'm in a more resourced place had a lot of trouble getting getting back in the in the driver's seat in the king's seat um and it took yeah it took time and the and dialogue for me to get the get the roles back how they how they ought to be which is me sort of from a place of uh, sober, compassionate, rational thought, having a dialogue with this part of myself that had been, that had gotten very activated, felt very threatened. An image that came to me was sort of like, imagine that I'm a dad and this is my like 12 year old kid from a first marriage and I have just met this hot, hot new young wife. And I've just sort of galloped headlong into the relationship and never really taken the time to check in uh, 
with my 12 year old son about like how he's feeling about this. And that went too far and he had a total temper tantrum. (laughs) And the quality of inner dialogue that I, that I found really helpful in the aftermath of this event was the quality of like, Oh dude, I'm so sorry. Like I really have not been taking care of you. Like I have not been checking in with you about how this has been feeling for you. Like, wow, this is, yeah, this is a lot. Like this is a new person that has really burst onto the scene and is taking up a lot of my time and energy. And like, I'm so sorry. I don't think I've been attending to you. I don't like, we got to spend some more time together. Like, what do you want to do this weekend? And also like, but no, I'm not ending this relationship right now because this person is cool and has a heck of a lot going for them. And, you know, dad's been kind of (laughs) lonely recently. (laughs) (laughs) So I like, you are a hundred percent right. I got to spend more time hearing your concerns and like respecting your fears and respecting what you're trying to do by expressing these fears because ultimately what the you know what this wounded part of self is trying to do in expressing these fears these you know these avoidant fears is trying to protect us from making a mistake and hurting somebody else or getting hurt like we were talking about before it's like yeah it's a pure motivation that's why i can't stand the way we've talked about that book attached and how my impression from going through that book Granted, not in, not with a fine tooth comb, but I, I read some chapters, including the like one or two chapters they had on avoidant attachment, and in the like ten to fifteen chapters they had on anxious attachment, and I really didn't feel like they were bringing that much compassion to the plight mm-hmm. of the avoidant, and I think that's really missing the mark because it's not. It sucks to be avoidant. Yeah. It's, we want. I mean, I, I identify probably more with it anxious than avoidant. Uh-huh. I'm not quite as much of a monster as you are, but um, must be nice. <laughs> no, but but yeah, no. I mean, I didn't read that book thoroughly, but that was my my, my impression as well. It was kind of like yeah. the advice was basically stay away from these avoidant motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like to the avoidant, stop doing that, you monster. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you though. So, does this mean that you? in this writing exercise, which turned into a, a letter to this 12 year old part of yourself, yeah. this wounded an inner child. And so you came to this conclusion of, Oh yeah, I haven't, you know, I need to give you, I need to really hear your concerns and, and spend more time with you. That implies that you feel like you were kind of suppressing or just shutting down those concerns from that part of yourself. And the reason I ask this is because in our conversations, uh, previous episodes as well as um as well as you know offline conversations my sense is that you were aware of those those you were aware of this part of you saying danger 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 this doesn't but you were making a conscious choice to open your heart anyway so i'm curious what do you feel you 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 need to give this inner child that you were not giving it in a yeah. non-metaphorical sense. I get the metaphorical yeah. sense of I'll hear your concerns, but yeah, what what does this mean practically for you? Totally, yeah. Um, the very good question. I appreciate you bringing up that point because it, yeah, it's not like I was totally p- 
pushing down any of the doubts that, but I think I was relating to them. Like they flare up and I just, and I kind of look at them and I'm like, ah, we'll think about that later. Like mm-hmm. you're being, you know, not in a very respectful way. Kind of like you're being crazy. Ah, uh-huh. just kind of like this, like, Oh, this is this crazy part of myself. That's always going to find a reason why this isn't right. Yeah. Yeah. Just my yeah, neurotic bullshit. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Which I, there's certainly a time and a place for not, we've talked about this a lot. It's like when, when the neurotic bullshit comes up, do you wade into it or do you sometimes just change the channel? Yeah. And I think what's, yeah, as I've been reflecting on this, what's coming to me is that it's not that I've been stuffing that stuff down. It's that I've not been dialoguing with the, yeah, with this character, we'll say, because it's just, yeah, it's just easier to like embody this in this, in this yeah. sp- specific kind of character in my psyche. Not dialoguing with this character from a place of like, oh, what are you afraid of? And like, what are you trying to communicate to me? What are you, what purpose do these fears serve? And I think that's really important for me to get in touch with the pure place that these concerns come from the place of being really afraid of hurting somebody that you love being afraid of getting hurt, being afraid of hurting someone and being labeled as bad for hurting someone and therefore being sort of like cast out of the tribe or something like, Oh yeah. Like, Oh, he's an avoidant monster. Like write him off. Yeah. Yeah. Something wrong with him. There's all, yeah. Just like that, that ultimate foundational fear of there being something wrong with you and being broken and especially being broken in a way that is, there's a, uh, a moral judgment there. You're not broken in the sense of, Oh, you're just really depressed. You're broken in the sense of you, you, you heartlessly or thoughtlessly hurt people. Yeah. Yeah. Or in our, or you hurt them even with a lot of thought, but you're, you're, I'd say maybe the underlying judgment there is at least for me is, is selfishness. Right. Yeah. Cause that's another, that's another really insidious fear is like, oh, you're thoughtfully hurting someone like, right. You're aware of it. And you're, you're aware, it anyway. you're aware that this isn't going to work out and you're still doing it. Cause you, you sick fuck. You're just like, you just use people. Right. It's such a brilliant way to try to keep you safe because it's basically saying the 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 kind thing to do for this other person is to is to is to cut it off and oh by the way this just happens to have the added benefit of, for this little 12 year old of of keeping him feeling safe which yeah. again there's nothing wrong with that that's that's what he wants that's what he yeah. needs yeah but you don't want him driving the bus you don't want him driving the bus yeah it's this so it's that's uh, what i've been working on is just this having these check-ins having these check-ins assuring him that he's not forgotten and that we will continue to dialogue and that I am not that we're, that we don't have to make any decisions yet and that we are going to open, continue to open to love and step into this mystery and live this question without grasping after certainty of what's going to happen. It's beautiful. Thank you. 
as you were saying that I was appreciating it. And then a little part of my brain was like, Oh, we should use that as the audiogram for this episode. <laughs> Audiograms are the little like snippets we, we publish. <laughs> there was another one at about 35 minutes in. I was looking that I thought was also a really good one. Okay, I like where you're, I like where you're going with this. Always with an eye toward marketing. <laughs> yep. Got to grow the user base. That's why we but, keep you on payroll. But let's get back to the beautiful touching part. So, well, first of all, the, just the idea of, of having these dialogues, I find inspiring because this is not something I've done, but I do feel like there's, there's truth and value to this approach. It just feels to me like there's, there's something there. And, and I'm curious, what do these dialogues look like or sound like? If you care to share, it's a pretty yeah. intimate well, thing. Well, for me, at, for me, writing is is the most effective way to have these dialogues. Rather than I talking th- in your head. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think some people, you know, whatever works for you. You know, if you're doing it on a street corner talking to a tree, you might. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, I talk to trees. Have we had this conversation? This isn't a joke. Actually, yeah. But I don't, I don't, I don't do it on street corners. Yeah. I don't do it on street corners. Yeah. I want to retract that. I do not mean to... I do talk to malign tre- the tree talking community. I have talked yeah. to trees. I have. I had- hug trees more, more. It's something I've discovered relatively recently. The it's, phrase tree hugger. It's. Have we ha- talked about this? I really. We haven't. Just, but I also, and I would say, in the last year of my life, have discovered that making physical contact with trees. Yeah. It can be profoundly grounding. Yeah, I'll just throw my arms around a big ass sequoia and just rest my cheek against it and and uh, and pray. Yeah, you got to get skin on it though. You yeah, get yeah, skin, yeah. Skin, 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 skin to skin. bark. Yeah, you got to raw dog that shit. <laughs> yeah, you, the energy does not transfer. No, I'm in New England right now, and it's cold. But you know, wearing a glove, it's like, yeah, you just it doesn't. You don't feel anything. Got no, it. no, no, no. That doesn't work. <laughs> but anyway, you were saying so. The dialogue for you, it assumes the form. For me, writing um, is is yeah. is the way to go. Yeah, writing. Yeah, and shifting. And so are these writing to myself and shifting tenses sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some uh, uh, often one of the most, yeah. One of the most potent ways to do it is, is literally writing a letter to myself. Like, yeah. As though, as though you're writing a letter to your nephew and you're going to tear it out and, you know, send it to him or something. Um, so yeah. So using, using tense changes, using the, second person third person got him you second person second person second person yeah that's second person second person second person yeah yeah i um yeah and then also sometimes just in meditation sometimes in meditation too Mm -hmm. just kind of like in meditation maybe uh also a less verbal form of interaction but sometimes like a envisioning like finding a little wounded part of yourself, this 12 year old and like envisioning, like scooping him up in your arms or something. And just like holding yeah. him, rocking him, running your hands through his hair. Um, and then, you know, people also talk about like put, putting the hand on the heart and talking to yourself and in, in, in that way, just giving yourself little words of encouragement. Um, yeah, that's kind of, that's, that's, what seems to have been helpful for me. And yeah, all of this is, I, I'm going to try this. I don't believe I've ever written a letter to myself. Mm. And 
I'm just thinking even stuff I'm going through now that's, you know, not this super high intensity, high voltage, interpersonal, um, I don't want to say conflict, but interpersonal challenges still. Yeah, I, I am going to try this, but I want to get, I want to get back to you and Hannah. So this has been, so it's now been what, four or five days since you, yeah, six or seven since this all happened. And so you've been engaged in this process of kind of, well, sort of welcoming this 12-year-old boy as an honored guest to the table. Yeah. Yeah. And where are things where are things at now? Have have you seen each other since? Yeah, we've we've spent uh, since this happened more nights together than not. Okay. Um and in some ways I think there's still um, some tenderness and mm-hmm. some a little bit of a little bit of bruising on both of our hearts. Yeah, and then in other ways, I think we're closer than ever. Yeah, um, right now, I think that it's brought up. We both have recognized that for our our, our personal processes it's this brought up really important stuff to look at and i think we're both grateful for the for the lessons and do you feel without and i i don't know what the boundaries are around what you want to share about her but so clearly we've just discussed what it's brought up for you and and some actions that you're taking in terms of connecting to that part of yourself has it it's brought up separate stuff for her yeah, I will. I think I'll I'll refrain from getting yeah. into into what what it's brought up for her. But yeah, it's brought up it's brought up stuff for her that she is able to identify as very much her own. Yeah, very independent much of independent of me, mm-hmm. and very much related to her past experiences, her unfolding developmental process, stuff she wants to talk about in therapy, et cetera. Uh, and that again, like that is so, cause I have been in relationships in the past where I have, I have not felt like I'm in that type of partnership where when something comes up, it's very, it's very much felt like a me problem. Uh huh. And yeah. I should go like talk to my shrink about it and come back when I'm fixed. Yeah. Yeah. And boy, do I never want to be in a relationship like that again? And so this, it's sort of like, okay, this happened. This is kind of, we experienced some things. We, we saw each other in a certain light. We, and now we're working through what that brought up yeah. individually and together. It's just yeah. something that's now part of our shared history and our experience of each other. Yeah. And I think that I come back to, cause I, I you know, I'm obviously still totally tender from this and it's not like, um, the doubts or uh, uncertainties um, that I carry about this relationship and, you know, that I've carried about every relationship I've ever been in. So it's, it, it's not to label this relationship as special because I've never had a relationship that wasn't marked by doubts. Uh, those things haven't, haven't gone away, but what I'm coming back to and what is, what is feeling like a really, 
a, a truth that I can really hang hang my hat on right now in terms of thinking about you know next steps. What should happen now? What should happen next week? What should happen the week after? Is back to what you were saying is like, oh yeah, we're not done. Yeah, we're not done. Like there's so there's more to go in this. There's more to learn from each other. There's more podcast episodes to ring from this experience. Absolutely. <laughs> But it sounds it's and it sounds like though and this it's it's a mutual thing. There's you, you know and it kind of alleviates that fear of well I can't just look at this as a gymnasium because there's another person here. Yeah. But it's it's that for her too. Yeah. She's learning and growing through this as well. Right. Right. Yeah. Another, which brings to mind another relationship metaphor that a friend shared with me in the past, which is like a relationship is two people are walking, everyone in this life is walking up their own mountain. And a relationship is not getting off your mountain and getting on someone else's mountain. A relationship is just like lining your mountain up next to somebody else's mountain and, you know, kind of supporting each other and saying hi to each other across the valley. Calling through across the chasm. Across the chasm. Separate. Let's let's go back to Camus. Camus. (laughs) (laughs) calling futilely across the chasm that always separates people from each other. But no, no, go, go. But no, right, but you're, you're so on your... It's, it, it really is. It's a, it's, a, it's a crazy thing about life to really confront. That we all is have our own experiences that we Unbridgeable chasm. Yeah. The, un, the unbridgeable chasm between us. And yet we, as you said earlier, friendship and connection is, is yeah. fundamental. I mean, people die from lack of it. Totally, it's, we 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 evolved to relate to each other to a degree, perhaps beyond any other species. I think clearly beyond any other species because we have means of communication with language that that uh, exceed that of any other species. Yeah. So we are. It's all about sharing experience, but but yes, it is at the deepest level experience, or not deepest, just the most fundamental, basic, definable level experience can never be shared. Yeah, I think. I think that's a good place to end. I think it's always a good place to end when we arrive at a paradoxical truth. Yeah. Um, Especially and, one that has been contemplated by 15-year-old boys. <laughs> <laughs> when we when we think for the first time a thought that has never been thought before. We're fucking deep. We're, man. <laughs> Look out, Camus. We are. <laughs> when we discover a universal truth for the first time you just and mic i drop. together just end the episode mic it's drop no but it really it's a beautiful paradox we absolutely cannot do it alone if you try to do this life alone you will die and we're fundamentally alone on our on our mountains no one can no one can cross that chasm but we can i mean but there is this sense of of yeah there's I don't know. It's it's impossible to define in language, but obviously falling in love and experience you're having now does feel like this you can tran- you can there there are moments where you've transcended that gap. Yeah. Yeah. Where where there is such a, a there can be such a deep and profound sharing. Yeah, and I think you know, hence the capacity for intimate romantic relationship to also send you into the darkest of dark tailspins is that like 
when you start to play with that concept of bridging the gap that is that's it it really messes with your system it messes with your sense of self and other and your place in the world and am i going to be able to get back across mm-hmm. you know it's it's like yeah let's 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 come back to this cuz it's yeah, I mean, this I is think all t- that's why it can spin you out so much. And I think this circles around that the the sort of psychedelic truth, and not just the psychedelic truth, the mystical truth, the the all is one, the and yet you know it's that Zen paradox of yes, all is one, yet 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 we're also apart, not two, not one. Yeah, Adam Strauss. <laughs> Put that on a throw Cop- pillow. Copyright out stress. Twenty twenty one. Yeah. Well, it's inspiring to hear how you're showing up to all this. It really is, man. And oh, I, thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Says, says the man living in his par- parents' attic. <laughs> hey, I just picked up the torch, man. You started it. <laughs> no, but courageously it, it, charging into the breach. It is though, and uh, yeah, I'm. I'm I'm eager to to see how this continues to grow and evolve and I'm I'm excited to yeah hear more from you about this. Yeah. Well, more lessons shall be milked. Yeah, from the 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 breast-like mountains that you're ascending <laughs> in a pair with All right, I'm going to go write a letter to my inner child. Get your shit together, motherfucker. Right, that's how you should start it. You're a middle-aged man living in your parents' attic. I think I said sycamore or I said uh sequoia when I meant sycamore. You can't even keep your fucking tree species together oh, yeah, 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 straight. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm going to going to tear my inner child a new one just rip your clothes off and go bear hug a tree you'll feel better yeah i don't think uh if there were trees that were not on street corners here i would i'd be tempted and it were in 20 degrees but uh all right well great chatting jordan and yeah yeah yeah, thanks for sharing all this yeah i really appreciate it for thank you for the support and for for holding it and receiving it yeah all right We'll talk soon. Cool, dude. Till next time. Bye. Bye.